Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. When I was the pastor of another church years ago, a woman whom no one had ever seen before in church stood in my sermon and yelled, you, your sermons are demonic. You're the devil himself preaching and walked out. Kind of energized the service. (laughs) I mean, anybody who was asleep was awake now, (laughs) wondering what I was going to do. Now, telling you that story kind of makes me nervous because I'm hoping no one here gets any ideas. (laughs) But I tell that story in order to ask you this question. If you had been in my shoes that morning, speaking to maybe a thousand people, and someone stood up and did that, how would you react? Would you yell back at her, no, I'm not the crazy one you are? (laughs) Would you get really angry and yell at her? You know, it just so happens that when yelling starts, usually a lot of people will respond with yelling back. Yelling will start yelling, a cycle of it. Would that have happened that morning? But maybe some of you, instead of being angry, would have felt sorry for her. You wouldn't have been angry, you'd have felt sorry for her because anybody who stood and did that kind of thing must be a very unhappy woman who's taking out her anger towards someone else on you. So you'd have felt sorry for her. Or maybe instead of feeling sorry for her, you'd have felt very insecure and embarrassed. You'd have been embarrassed, maybe you'd have felt really embarrassed because you'd been worried that there may be some people out there who really agree with her. And the reason you would have been embarrassed is, well, the truth is, maybe you were insecure about your ability to speak. And because of your insecurity, you'd fear other people might agree with her. So you wouldn't have been so much angry as afraid of what other people thought. Would that have been your reaction? Or maybe you would have felt compassion for her because you would have thought she must be a very um, unbalanced woman mentally. And what she needs is not my anger, she needs my ministry. So what would have been your reaction that morning? I tell you that story to illustrate that we always have choices, that anger is not compulsory. We have other choices, just like I had with that woman that morning. The myth that is prevalent and widespread is that people make us angry. One of the things that I hope we get out of this series, and especially this morning, is we stop saying that. That never again will we say, you make me so angry, or you made me angry, because no one has the power to make us angry 
without our cooperation. The fact of the matter is no one can make us angry. We make ourselves angry by how we think about what they did. Today I'm beginning this new series that I'm calling Anger the Monster Within for a couple of reasons. First, anger is epidemic and it's worse and worse in our culture. Everyone seems to be angry. And I'm calling it anger the monster within because anger, if we're not careful, can turn a nice person into a monster to do monstrous things. And I just give you these examples. First, in the Bible, anger created the devil, not God. God created a beautiful angel, but that angel got very envious and jealous and angry at God and became the devil through his anger. Happens all the time to human beings. Darth Vader began as a loving husband, but he ended up Darth Vader. And Jekyll turned into Hyde, and Cain turned into a brother killer. Anger did that to him. And so what's significant is the Bible puts at the very front of human history this story of how anger destroyed a family and turned a brother into a monster, into a murderer. You know, as I read Genesis 4 earlier this morning, I pointed out that the stimulus for Cain's anger was really not Abel's action. It was God's pleasure in his brother's sacrifice and not his favor on his sacrifice. Remember I pointed out that Cain gave him, gave God just some of the fruit of his field, whereas his brother gave the first fruits and the fat portions, the choice portions of the meat. You know, the fillets and the ribeyes. He put God first. That offering showed his heart, and it also showed Cain's heart. And the next thing we know, after God shows favor on Abel, Cain says, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The question any reader of this story has to ask is, why did, Cain go, why did Abel go with his brother Cain if he was so angry at him? Didn't he know he was taking a risk to go out in that field? Look at how angry your brother is. So why'd he go? Because he couldn't tell Cain was that angry. He couldn't tell. Cain hid it from him. Didn't show it. He had no idea. What happened here is that Cain had a few drinks with his brother talked about football, told some jokes, slapped him on the back, you know, just having a good time. And then he said, hey, let's go take for a walk in the field. Okay. And while he was out there, he slit his throat like a sacrifice, as the Hebrew I explained to you earlier said. He did it. Abel had no idea because Cain hid his anger. Notice that Genesis 4 is actually God preaching a sermon to Cain and using Cain and Abel to preach a sermon to us. 
Genesis 4 is God preaching. And he's emphasizing the point of how good human beings can be at looking like they're not angry. How good we are at that. God is saying through this story, yellers aren't the only people with an anger problem. Dr. Les Carter, the famous psychologist and the anger specialist at the Minneth Meyer Institute, just top drawer in terms of an anger specialist. He's written a book that we have available out in the lobby called The Anger Trap, best book I've ever read on anger. And he, in this book, he says, the angriest people are not yellers. The most dangerous people are not yellers. It's the one who you can't tell are angry. He actually gives sort of a test to see whether or not we are actually hiding anger in our heart, even though we aren't yellers. And I thought I'd give you this pop quiz so that you could kind of test yourself about whether there's any anger within you. And I thought maybe what we could do is, as I ask these questions, if you answer yes to a question, use your fingers to count how many times you answer yes. And don't look at the person next to you. And don't, don't be telling them they should be adding that there. But I want you to be, be honest. Just look at your own hand. And uh, use your fingers to count up how many times you say yes. Here's the first question. Is there someone you try never to think about because you, just the very thought of them makes you tense and angry? Just their name. Two, is there someone you have numbed your feelings toward? You don't care about them anymore and you think numb means you're not angry? Three, would you have to admit that you are critical and judgmental of someone? Four, do you find yourself rehearsing verbally either to yourself or to other people how they have offended you and done wrong things? Five, this last month have you talked behind someone's back? That's a form of anger. Six, is this person, uh, if you see this person, do you find yourself tensing up? and negative members, memories start to roll? Are you out of fingers on one hand? We're on the second hand now. <laughs> Do you bristle when somebody micromanages you because you can't take criticism? You call it controlling? Eight, if thoughts could kill, would there be a lot of dead people around? Do you believe in forgiveness except for a few people because what they did was so bad it's unforgivable? 10, is there someone you have to admit that you've become hardened towards and if something bad happened to them, you wouldn't feel bad about it at all. They're getting what they deserve. 11, are you rebellious against authority? 12, are you pretty impatient and often interrupt people while they're speaking? 
13, do you ever have pity parties? Pity party is just an anger party. Do you ever have pity parties? 14, do you ever drink too much or overeat to comfort yourself or because you're really angry? 15, do you ever cuss anybody out? 16, do you hate to lose at anything, but especially an argument? You always want the last word. 17, is your ego pretty big? 18, are you pretty up sensitive about how people treat you? Pretty sensitive? That's a form of anger. Anger will say, you, I'm hurt. It won't say, I'm angry. Instead, it'll say, I'm hurt, blaming you for how I feel. I'm hurt. What it really means is, you ticked me off. 19, do you hate the Oakland Raiders? <laughs> no, I put that, I just made that out. It's a form of anger. <laughs> now really, honest to God, you're before God in his church. Raise your hand if you ran out of fingers and had to go to your toes. Yes, many, many of us. The rest of you I know are not telling the truth. <laughs> now, if... If you said yes to any of those questions, you've got anger. Any of them. They're forms of anger. If you said yes to two or more of them, you shouldn't miss a Sunday in this series. <laughs> now, you know what's really interesting? Do you really want to know how a person would know this morning they have an anger problem? You didn't even want to take the test. You didn't even want to take the test. That is a sure sign of an anger. I don't even want to know. Kind of makes me angry he even gave the test. <laughs> Do you see? I, this is so helpful to me when I was reading this book because I wanted you to see that there are many forms of anger. And we deceive ourselves and think this is an anger, but it's a form of clubbing a person. There are lots of forms of anger besides yelling. And so we deceive ourselves into thinking we're anger free when in fact we are really angry. And we show it through these different forms. So this brings me to the number one reason, the title of this sermon, the number one reason people don't conquer anger. Do you know what it is? They won't admit they're angry. We will never conquer what we will not admit. And that's why people with an anger problem don't conquer it because they want to say, hey, I'm not a yeller, I don't have a problem. So they never conquer it. They get passive aggressive or they do other things that are really forms of anger, but they won't admit it. What, um, this is why um, God says, to Cain, you're in huge danger. Because Cain won't admit he's angry. So God says to him, sin is crouching at your door. You're right on the verge of becoming demonic. 
I explained in the scripture reading that this is such a significant phrase in the Hebrew because at the time this book was written, Babylonia was the power of the day. And one of the deep, deeply held beliefs of the Babylonians was at everyone's door at their house, there was a demon waiting, crouching, just waiting to spring on a victim. And this was the beginning of so much superstition. In fact, today, you'll still hear people say, don't step on a crack in the sidewalk because it'll bring you bad luck. That started back then. And back then, in order to protect yourself against this demon, people would hang stuff on their door and they'd say magic incantations before they walked out their door because they really believed a demon was there and they needed to protect themselves. God uses what was really commonly believed during the time in his sermon. Sin is crouching at your door. Oh no, not a demon but anger will turn you into a demon, the monster within. You, you don't get rid of that anger. It's going to pounce on you. It's a short step to really devil-like behavior. This is why a nice person can let loose hurtful words that shred another person's heart. It's why a parent or spouse can unleash a torrent of profanity that literally crushes a child. Cain clubbed his brother to death in a field with a big stick. But there's a lot of ways you can use words and looks and other things. Cold, shoulder, getting real quiet at home the silent treatment where you could club a person to death. Ephesians 4, verse 26, later in the New Testament says, in your anger, do not sin. Anger itself is not sin, but be careful. It's crouching at the door and it quickly can lead to becoming actually a tool of the devil. Sin is crouching at your door. When Ephesians says, in your sin, in your anger, do not sin, what's it saying to us? Two wrongs don't make a right. That's what it's saying. You're angry. Maybe what they did really is wrong, but two wrongs don't make a right. Everyone knows that, except when you're really angry. And then we believe Justice, whatever it takes to get even, to make them pay, is right. Two wrongs do make a right, because they need to pay. That's how we think when anger, anger thinking begins to think they need to pay. And that means two wrongs make a right. Whatever I do to them is not wrong, it's just justice, making them pay. So terrorists call themselves freedom fighters, and they do awful things in the name of justice. Did you know that World War II was started as payback out of anger to get even with the West? Did you know that? It was because 
Hitler used the Versailles Treaty to say what the payments that Germans were forced to make because of what they did in World War I were so unjust and so unfair. We have a right to start a war and punish them. And that's why the tanks rolled. Germans believed it. It was making them pay and justice that started World War II. And it's still starting wars in families and in marriages and in churches and relationships. You need to pay, and a war starts. The problem with this whole thing is that getting even never gets even. <laughs> because when you get even with someone, they never say to you, has this ever happened to you? Okay, we're even now. I deserve that. <laughs> no. You shouldn't have done that to me. And now it's my turn to pay you back. And this crazy cycle begins. It's endless. And that's why in, there must be marriages here today and relationships and family relationships way back from Christmas with your father or mother that this stuff has been going on for years because no one ever finally gets even. The cycle just keeps going. Anger is a form of insanity, but we call it justice. Don't let them get away with that. Two wrongs make a right. That's justice. It's an eye for an eye, and before you know it, everyone's blind in your family, or in a church, or at work. And that's why God warns Cain, sin. The demon is crouching at your door. Notice that Cain never admits guilt. Even when God directly confronts him and gives him a chance to do some admitting by asking him, where is your brother Abel? Cain won't admit, I killed him and he's out in the field for a new beginning. He won't admit it. Instead, he says, am I my brother's keeper? He does the classic thing that, that an anger person says. An angry person will change the subject and say, you're the problem. Hey, why are you asking me that? I'm not my brother's keeper. He changes the subject because he has no guilt. Now, this is what I want you to see. He is becoming calloused and hard-hearted. He is so callous now, he feels no guilt over murdering his brother. Murder is the ultimate form of anger. He feels no guilt. He doesn't break down here. Why? Because it's simply justice. He had it coming. It's always a good question to ask ourselves. It's always a litmus test of whether or not, you know, I'm developing an anger problem. What's the condition of my heart towards you? What's the condition of my heart towards you? Is it really growing harder? Do I have a hard heart towards someone? You know, it's a very interesting thing. But in the ancient cultures, when a relationship, when a person was forgiving another person, do you know how they expressed it? My face heals towards you. Isn't that interesting? My face feel, heals towards you. 
My heart is no longer hard towards you. It's a good question this morning. Uh, really, who, against whom is your heart hardening or is hard? The good news is that just like with me, with the woman that yelled that I was the, de uh, the devil preaching, we have other choices rather than anger. And it's never too late to change. That's the Lord's Supper this morning. It's never too late to make another choice. So how do we conquer anger and get rid of it? Especially if a person has deeply wronged us. Well, the second teaching that God gives us in this sermon to Cain is in his unexpected question of Cain. It's an unexpected question. It's in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? It's a serious question. It's not a ludicrous question. But Cain refuses to answer that question. He wants to blame. All he wants to talk about is what was done wrong. He doesn't want to talk about himself at all. Blaming is always a sure sign of, hidden, of a hidden anger problem. Blaming never cures anger. It keeps the cycle going. As long as you're blaming the other person and saying, you're why I'm angry, your action compels me to be angry towards you, you'll never get rid of it. Why? You see, there's two ways you can handle the anger problem. One is make everybody perfect around you so that you're never offended again. And some of you have embarked upon that plan. <laughs> I'm not going to be angry anymore as long as I can perfect you, criticize you enough, yell at you enough. <laughs> this is our marriage plan. I'm going to make you perfect and then you won't make me angry anymore. God bless you. It's not going to happen. But you can keep trying that if you want to do that. But the other one is this. Show mercy. Drop my charges. Look at myself as to why I'm angry. Because if I can figure out why I'm angry, I no longer am hooked by your behavior. That's the key to being angry free. Get yourself unhookable. Once a person asked, I said, she said to me in a class, she says, why did these people make me so angry? I said, because your anger button is so big. They, it's so easy to push your angry button because it's this big. Well, then what do I do? You've got to shrink your anger button so it's hard to find. That's how you get angry if you, not by perfecting people, but by getting yourself to the place you've dealt with your own stuff so you're no longer hookable. Because you keep remembering another person in my position would not react the way I'm reacting with anger. I learned that from my wife. You know, years ago when we were first married, we'd come home from something and maybe I was angry. And I'd be on this, and she wasn't angry at all. So I'd get angry at her for not being angry. How come you, don't you, what, what's wrong? Why don't you react this way? And I'd start case building so I could get her angry. And she wouldn't take the bait. And after a while, I began to go, it must be about me. 
because she's not reacting the way I am. She was unhookable. That's one plan. The other plan is change everybody around you so they don't do anything to make you angry anymore. And it's never going to happen. And so God is teaching us in this whole event something so big, it is life-changing. It is marriage-changing. And it's this. Anger always says more about you than it does the other person. When I first learned this, I cannot tell you how liberating that was. Anger always says more about me than it does the other person. Because another person would not react in anger like I am. That's why God asked Cain, why are you so angry? It's not a foolish question. He wants him to look inside of himself and say, what's really going on that hooks you? God wants Cain to see something that is just crucial to the second part of this brilliance from God. He wants Cain to see this. Anger is always the second emotion, never the first emotion. Anger is always the second emotion, never the first emotion, which is revelatory about me. This is so liberating. Let me ask you, what do you think Cain's first emotion was? Well, I think it was guilt. He knew he had not given his best offering to God while his brother had given, you know, the fillets the best. He knew he had given God second best. He was caught dead even, and he was guilty. But he couldn't admit guilt, so he jumped over to anger to distract everybody. It's like the... You know, the guy who goes to Home Depot and spends too much money on tools, his wife challenges him with this. And what's the guy do? Hey, he spent $1,000 they don't have on tools. What's the guy do? You know, you're right. I'm going to take all these tools back. No. He gets really angry and says, well, you spend a lot of money too. And help me. <laughs> Anger. The first emotion is guilt, but I don't want to admit it. So I get angry and distract everybody. I think another emotion from him was just plain out embarrassment and envy because his brother had done what he had not done right. Envy of his brother who had the favor of God and he did not have favor. And do you know what the other emotion was? Fear. What's God going to do to me now? You know, God can kill. What can he do to me now? Fear. Those emotions were the first emotions that he had before he had. And you always have other first emotions before anger. Let me give you some of them. Insecurity. I want to cover up insecurity so I get angry. Fear. Ego. Just a big ego. And I don't want to admit I'm egotistical. Pride. Embarrassment. Let me give you a real, a real life example that I, I'm sure is happening in our midst right now. One of your kids is getting bad grades in school and you're angry about it. There's a lot of anger in the house. Words flying, doors slamming. Just conflict over the fact that your kid's getting D's and F's in school. And um, 
The question is, why are you angry? Well, obviously, because your kid is failing and is a lazy bum. And so that's why I'm angry. I'm angry because he's getting bad grades and I know he can do better. Really? What's the real reason you're angry? Probably fear. This kid's not going to graduate from school, never be able to get a job. This kid's going to live with me the rest of my life because I'm going to have to support this kid. He'll never be able to support himself. You've got to get good grades and graduate. You know what it's about? It's about you. Let me tell you, this is a guess. I could be wrong, but I bet this is true. You know what the other emotion is you're covering up with anger? Embarrassment. Your friends talk about their children as Rhodes Scholars and going off to some college and on the stupid dean's list and all this. And they are so successful. You just can't stand it. So you go home to your kid and beat him up. <laughs> I'm tired of being embarrassed by you. Come on, help me out. This, this is how it goes. Our anger is the second emotion covering up the truth we don't want to face. We don't want to talk about Anger almost always says more about us than it does about the other person. So if you want to conquer your anger, stop blaming it on someone else and saying they're making your anger angry. And ask, what is my anger really revealing about myself, my ego, my insecurities, and so on? Now let me give you a quick little parenthesis here. If any of you are dating a person who shows the different forms of anger that I've been talking about in tests, in this test, like pouting or sarcasm or bringing up the past over and ever, over and over, or, you know, you're dating them and just they get angry and hurtful words come out of their mouth. My advice is run. <laughs> Honest to God, run. I'll be in marriage counseling. Oh, I got a real anger about Didn't you see it when you were dating? Well, yes. But I thought, no. Babies aren't going to make that better. Time's not going to make that better. New house isn't going to make that better. Because anger becomes a habit. That person is not going to become an angry free person and be truly angry free until first they admit the damage they're doing to you and others. If they won't admit, they're never going to solve it. And they will never secondly become angry free unless they humble themselves to reach up for the power of God to deliver them. Because you cannot do this through willpower. I promise you. It will not happen. Oh, maybe for a month or two, you'll hold your tongue and then you'll get discouraged because you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And then you give it up. And you know the next speech this person makes? Hey, this is just the way I am. I tried. This is the way I am. You've got to live with it. No, it isn't. You have not humbled yourself to reach up for the power of God. Now, if you're with a person like that, run. You've got to ask yourself, 
how are the next 50 years going to be like? And secondly, if you're already married to a person like that, you need to have a serious talk this afternoon and not miss a Sunday because that's no way to live. Well, that's my little parenthesis for you, and I really invite you to work on that. Now, third, back to the sermon, God's sermon to Cain. Notice that God's sermon ends with grace to this brother killer. I love it. He's a brother killer, and God doesn't kill him. There are consequences given to him. Farming is going to be harder for him. He's going to be a wanderer because he's not admitting he's got an anger problem. So he's going to wander from relationship to relationship and not have any real friendships. Yeah, there's consequences. But notice Cain protests that people are going to kill him for being a brother killer. <laughs> I love that. God People are going to do to me what I did to my brother, and I don't like that. Isn't that interesting? People who have an anger problem are continually saying things and doing things to people that would really make them angry if somebody did it to them. They're going to kill me like I killed my brother. Do you know why he believes that? Because the culture of that day was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He was dead. He was the walking dead. The culture today is still an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that's what's causing so many problems in our marriages and relationships, even within this church and at work. But God puts a mark on his face, on his forehead, and says, don't touch him. You know what this mark says? This is the end of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's done. I'm not going to let you do that to this brother killer, though he deserves it. It's the end. Do you know what God's doing there? It's so powerful. Mercy. Giving him grace. He's right at the beginning of human history with a family where a brother's been murdered. He introduces mercy. And he tells the whole world, you too show mercy because I have. Everyone else show mercy because I've shown him mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Let me give you a definition of mercy. You're guilty, but I'm not going to make you pay. You're guilty, but I'm dropping the charges. I'm not going to make you pay. That's mercy. The end of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Are you in the crazy cycle with some kid or someone in, at work? You in the crazy cycle? The only way to break it is for you to be spiritual enough to give mercy. I'm not going to make you pay. You in a cycle in your marriage? I'm telling you, communication's not going to solve it. The only solution is to become merciful. You know, you may be guilty, but I'm not going to make you pay. I read in my research about a man who was angry at a 17-year-old girl for tailgating him on the highway. He slowed down, let her pass. This true story, let her pass, pulled out a 
pistol from underneath his seat and shot her in the neck, killed her. At his trial, he was um, convicted of manslaughter, felt no guilt whatsoever, showed no remorse whatsoever. And the judge asked the Cain question to him. The judge asked, why did you shoot this girl? Do you know what he said? She started it. This is us. Why, I, why am I doing this to you? Well, you started it. Two wrongs don't make a right. And finally, it doesn't matter what the other person did. And it doesn't matter if they did it first. You've got other choices than an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You do have the option of mercy. You're guilty, but I'm not going to make you pay. And that's your only hope to becoming anger free. Not them changing, but you giving mercy. I hope you do. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Dr. Mike from Compass Church in Salinas. We hope you're encouraged by his practical Bible-based teaching 